everybody doing tonight? Woo! All right, so I'll tell you an interesting little story. So when Pastor Gary asked me to speak, I was in the middle of a study of Romans, and uh, it kind of led me in, in a di couple different directions. And we're not going to study the book of Romans tonight, but I'll just kind of give you the, the little short story. So it's, it's very interesting because I personally believe that God leads and directs every step in my life. And if you don't believe that he operates that way with you, then you need to tune in because he's willing to do it for you. So I say that because I uh, help and assist uh, with the pastoral staff with respect to the men's ministry here in the church. We have great Bible study. We have an opportunity for people to share and be a part. And so that leads me kind of through the week of reading all kinds of different things, studying all kinds of things. It's, it's good for me. It's a good discipline. And uh, I like to get up early in the morning and spend my time doing that. And so, But out of that comes all kinds of different studies along the way. So while I'm studying in Romans and I'm thinking, um, you know, what will God have me to speak about? Uh, over the past two years, probably closer to three, uh, each morning I wake up, God reveals a new sunrise to me. So a couple months ago, the question came to me, why, God, do you show this to me every day? I've never seen it before. And he said, because you didn't come looking. I operate that, he said, with every area of your life. If you come looking, I'll be there for you. If that's what you choose to do. We're people of free will. We have the opportunity to decide what we want. We either want God's provision in our lives, we want God's direction, or we want it to be our direction and our provision. But you can't have both, right? So in saying that, I was doing this little bit of a study and, and remembering what God had spoken to me about these sunrises, and <clears throat> I got off into looking at a bunch of different things. And while I was looking at them, I realized that how great is the love of God? that he would care about every aspect of not just my life, but of yours. If you don't understand that he cares about every aspect of your life, you need to know. I'm here to tell you. Joanne, God loves you. Every bit. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Nothing should separate us from the love of God, right? Okay, so, so while I'm doing this study, I, I'm, I now know where I'm headed. It's how great is that love? How great? So while I'm doing my study, quite often I use my phone because I, I like to look at various translations, like seven or eight, <laughs> not one or two, of something. Reading it, studying it, trying to understand, trying to get a full grasp of what was being taught. In doing so, I see all kinds of different things. But what I failed to do was my Bible was sitting right there. And for three days, I'm studying, doing a bunch of different work. And I typically, when I'm studying something, I will write notes and do what I want to do so I can move forward with something in the future. There was a piece of paper in, the, in my Bible... And the piece of paper had been there for almost two months. 
So remember, back to the sunrise part where I'm talking about. When I decided three days in, well, I should pull that piece out because I'm, I'm going to go look for something else. I'm going to put that over. I've got a place I keep all of them. I don't throw any of them out. So I've got a stack. And I pull the piece of paper out. Where is it? It's right exactly where I am right now. That is how God works for me. So I don't know about you, but that for me is really cool. And I can trust him with every area of my life. And he's there for all of it. And I've learned something that even when things aren't going the way I think they should go, again, I just said the way I think they should go, if I can trust him, he will show me the right. Because you don't know which bread truck was going to take you out. Now, I say that jokingly, but reality is you could have a, be waylaid in traffic and be frustrated at the traffic when God just saved you from a car accident. So why get frustrated? If you truly believe that God's in control of your life, if you truly believe that he's in control and wants to bless you, if you believe the plan for his, that he has for your life is for good and not for evil, why should we let anything get control of us? Or worse than that, get rooted in us. That it would drag us away from him. Nothing should do that. I was going to say a scripture, but I'm going to get into that one later. So, so in Romans 5, 8, it says that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. Okay, so here we are on our worst day, right? And I've had worse days, <laughs> okay? So, but on my worst day, what did God do? He gave his most. On my very worst day or your very worst day, he gave his most. The most that he could give, he gave. So you're no longer captive by sin. While I offered nothing to him, he offered his very best for me. Romans 5.20, just a little bit, again, I was studying Romans, so when I go there, periodically, you'll understand. So much more grace could abound. Not a little bit, but a whole lot of grace. So when you're not feeling like it, understand there's a whole lot of grace there. It's new every morning. His mercies are new every morning. Why? So when we stumble or when we fall, we can dust ourselves off, stand back up and say, okay, God, what next? I'm sorry for that. Let's move forward from here, right? Why do we want to think back of what happened 10 years ago or two years ago or two days ago when God has something new for us today? When our life moves forward every day, we shouldn't be looking behind, right? Rearview mirrors are there so you don't have to look behind. It's there to show you in case someone's going to run into you. That's it. So why would much more grace abound? Oh, that's a good question. Who asked that? Who is it? Oh, just kidding. I'm a funny guy. All right. Why? Great, much more grace abounds because we are his instruments. We are his hands. We're his feet. We are his love. We are his everything to those who we come in contact with. Think about that. I know from being involved in business and running businesses that I had somebody say to me one day, and, and it stuck with me, apparently, because it was 30 years ago. On your worst day, 
or my, would you be your best, sorry, let me just get this straight. On your worst day, your representation is your worst employee. So think about it. So if, if you think about an employee that you have that is a poor representation for, of you, and yet you keep them, to somebody that just meets them and doesn't know you, they could assume that that's your business. That's what you do, right? That person that is rude and disruptive and all these things is, is a, an extension of you. Well, <clears throat> if we are his instruments, if we are his hands to people, should we not be careful what we say and do? Yeah, very much so. To the point of really being cautious what words come out of our mouth. Because we can't take them back, right? Being cautious what actions we do because we can't take them back. We can say sorry. Not that that's going to do a whole lot of good, but it's a start, I guess. So if we're as instruments, we need to be careful what we're doing with them, right? Nothing like hearing somebody play a guitar and a note goes off, right? Thankfully, brother, you didn't do that tonight. <laughs> so we're supposed to love one another. It, it was a command that was given to us, right? But why do we fail to do it? Why do we prefer to criticize? Why do we prefer to pick up somebody else's lesser to show them how bad they are? Is it so we make ourselves look better? I, I'm assuming so. I know I've done it. I try not to do it. Today, I think I'm probably about light years ahead of where I might have been 10 or 15 years ago. And I know that because I'm allowing God to work here. Right? Change that. So I don't say the things that I shouldn't say. I won't say that I never do, but I try not to. So his purpose is that we love one another, even as Christ loved the church. Now think about it. Now, he gave what? His life. Who said that? Good answer. It's the right answer. So if he gave his life, and we're supposed to love one another that way, you think maybe we're missing it? Anybody here think they might have missed it this week? <laughs> right. Okay. I've never given my life. Think about it. If you gave of yourself till somebody felt that you gave your life, what I mean is you, you, you were willing to do whatever it took. Would that not change them? Certainly would. Ephesians 5.2 says, Walk in love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Wow, that would be something, like, honestly, if somebody committed themselves to you that way, that, that's about as good as it gets, right? That's the way husbands are supposed to be to their wives. And likewise, because it's, it's a natural progression that it gets return back to you. It's the law of sowing and reaping. <laughs> Hello. So how we started, right? Let's take up an offering. You pour it in, it comes back to you. That's the way it works. And everything in life works on that law. It's a very simple thing to get in your head. So the, the thought crossed my mind is, and I don't even know where it came from. Are we his muse? Yes, of course we are. So the question is, what's a muse? Because I, I thought, well, maybe not everybody knows what a muse is. So, dictionary. I'm going to tell you what it is. To think about something carefully and thoroughly. 
to think or say something in a thoughtful way. The archaic description, it says, to wonder or marvel. So, I love this. So we are God's muse, okay? Do you know that he looks at you and says, wow, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you know, Paul, I formed you in your mother's womb to be just like you are. Knowing that you would falter and do things that were wrong, he still created you to be you. Even though he knew we have sin nature, he created us to be like we are because he sees the end from the beginning. He knows your possibility. Why wouldn't we tap into that? Again, how great is that love that he can see your possibilities even when it seems impossible? Hmm. Considering his creation, I mean, do you know that Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, 11, I started to say it earlier, for, you, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Do you know that you're always in his thoughts? A little backstory on what that was about. God spoke that to the people of Israel just after he finished saying, you guys are being terrible. You're carving idols. You're, you're doing things that are wrong. You're not giving God the place that he should have in your life. But then he said, you know, just so you know, I know I told you all that, but just so you know, the plans that I have for you are for good. So he said that to people that were carving idols. Do you think maybe we still carve idols? Just maybe sometimes? Front lawn needs to be mani- uh, manicured again this week. And, you know, we, we put things ahead of our time with God, right? It, I've done it. So it, we need to figure out how to make him first in everything. How great is that love? Is it great enough to change your life? Sure is was 2,000 years ago, still is today. I'm going to read a little bit from Titus. Uh, I've got it in the uh, TLB, the, the Living Bible. I don't know what happened to the Living Bible, but this one is the one. So rather than read a bunch, I'm going to just go from, because I've got another version I'm going to give you too. But when the time came, so verse 4 to 8, when the time came for the kindness and love of God our Savior to appear, Then he saved us, not because we were good enough to be saved, listen, but because of his kindness and his pity by washing away our sins and giving us the new joy of the indwelling Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us with wonderful fullness. Not just a little bit, but with wonderful fullness. All because of what Christ had done, our Savior did, so that he could declare us good in God's eyes all because of his great kindness, and now we can share in the wealth of the eternal life he gives us, and we are eagerly looking forward to receiving it. These things I have told you are all true. Insist on them that Christians will be careful to do good deeds all the time. For this is not only right, but it brings results. Oh, would that not be the sowing and reaping part, right? Okay, great. Scripture backs that up too. It's good. So in the Amplified, the same, the same verse, verse is, 
But when the goodness and kindness of God, our Savior, and his love in mankind appeared, in human form as the man, Jesus Christ, he saved us not because of any works of righteousness that we have done. In other words, we couldn't do it on our own, but because of his own compassion and mercy, by the cleansing of the new birth, the spiritual transformation, regeneration, and renewing by the Holy Spirit, by uh, whom he poured out richly upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that we could be justified, made free of guilt of sin by his compassionate, undeserved grace, and that we would be acknowledged as accepted, acceptable to him and made heirs of eternal life, actually experiencing it according to our hope, which is his guarantee. This is a faithful and trustful saying, and trustworthy saying, and concerning these things, I want you to speak with great confidence, so that those who have believed God, that is, those who have trusted in, relied on, accepted Christ as Savior, will be careful to participate in doing good and honorable things. These things are excellent in themselves and profitable for the people. So just in themselves, doing good is good for you. Just in itself, it's good for you. It's good for you. It's good for the person you're doing good for. Pays dividends. So get this. While we were dead in sin, Christ shed his own blood to make us alive unto God. Make us alive to his Father. Not just alive, but renewed. Renewed by the Holy Spirit. In this particular translation, it refers to, uh, in the Amplified, as regeneration. The Latin word for regeneration is regenere, which means to create again. Now, this is going back to the original. Another definition for it is an organism to regrow a part or parts in order that it's able to function and its function can be restored. <laughs> that was the original. So let's consider this for a second. The regeneration of our spirit is that we become one with the creator of the universe that we can become restored to him. In other words, it was already there. Adam and Eve took it off kilter. This is so we can be restored to him. So bear in mind, again, that what the definition was, right, was to recreate, right, grow parts so they could be restored to their original function, to that original relationship with God, which is this way, right? Nothing can separate us from his love. Nothing can separate us from his promises or from his life. Nothing can hold you back, only yourself. Anybody hear that? It's your choice, right? Unfortunately, you're responsible now. I just told you about it. <laughs> I say that every time I speak because it's the truth. <clears throat> Once we know something, we're responsible for it, right? It's the regeneration of our spirit to become one with the creator of the universe. There's no longer a veil that's between he and I, or you and he. There's nothing to separate us. We're to allow the freedom that Christ brought into our lives to work through the Holy Spirit that we can be one with the Father. How great is that love? How great. It's never-ending. It's never-ceasing. Do you think he did all of this just for fun? No. Right answer, Anne. Of course he didn't. He did it because he loves his creation. 
You are his creation, created for good works. Goes back to what we just read a few minutes ago, right? Ephesians 2.10 says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, how great is that love? We're to love one another, right? Where's your good works? I'm not, I'm just saying. Don't want anyone to put their hand up. God, how great is that love? John 3, 16 to 18 in the message says this. This is how much God loved the world, that he gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust him has long since been put, uh, been under the death sentence without knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind Son of God when introduced to him. Going back to my little study of Romans, Romans 1.20 tells you that no man has an excuse. Look outside. There's no excuse. God has shown himself. He's shown himself to every creature, to every man, every man and woman that's on the face of this earth at some point in time. They've had an awareness and an ability to be able to see God. There is no excuse. So, he, do, he does his best all the time. He doesn't stop doing his best. We get weary and well-doing, right? Sometimes we do something, we show up, and four people show up, and go, man, oh, man. I was expecting 30, right? Pastor Paul, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? You show up for something and nobody shows up and you're like, it's wearing and well-doing, right? You get tired. You've, you've been doing this for how many years? There might have been a day or two you showed up and thought, wow, really? <laughs> no. Oh, God's got a sense of humor. Yeah. So anyone who trusts in him, according to John 3, 16 to 18 in the message, has been acquitted. What does acquitted mean? Good question, Anne. Good question. In the Latin, it is ad quitar, meaning to pay a debt or discharge a liability or release a liability. Discharge is what? A, a discharge. We've all heard about it through bankruptcy terms and stuff like that. A discharge is, an, is where something's done. It's completed. It's absolute, right? Well, that's what we're talking about here. It's an acquittal. The acquittal means... The debt of your sin, my sin, has been released. It's been discharged. It's done. You don't need to talk about it anymore. You don't need to think about it anymore. You don't need to rehearse anymore. Remember, here, understand what rehearse is. Okay? You're bringing the hearse with you. Huh? Rehearsing. You're bringing the hearse with you. What's the hearse for? Death. Okay. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Just free. That was free. No problem at all. So upon receiving Christ into our lives, we become free. Free from the chains of sin and death that once held us or bound us. They're now broken. But to be free, even though the chains might be off, you actually have to do what? 
move your place from your place of bondage to your place of freedom. You need to step out of it. You can't stay there. If you stay there, you're really still bound. You're like the elephant that got trained with a chain and was held with a string at the end of it, right? So in order to move forward with your life, you have to step out of where you're at today. How great is that love that it's still patient and kind, even though we still hold on to stuff, even though we still rehearse the past. Wow. Really, when you think about it, in the scope of eternity, this is huge, right? That God never stops loving you. On your worst day, he loved you the most because you needed it the most. He never wanted there to be separation between he and you. He wants the communion. He wants you to wake up in the morning and say, God, it's a good day. Right? He wants you to wake up and see the sunrise. He wants you to wake up and want your day. He doesn't want you to say, another day, what am I going to do? He wants you to have some hope. He is all hope. That's what he is, hope in the future. He wasn't kidding. <laughs> you don't write this stuff for fun. There's thousands of years. And it proves true. So he always wants to commune with us, each one of us. He wants to commune with me. He wants to commune with my wife. He wants to commune with everybody in this place. Every day. At the risk of sounding cliche, don't wait until tomorrow to start doing what I'm talking about today. Because someday, tomorrow won't come. Oh, that you only understand the depth of his love. How deep it runs. Ephesians 3, 17 to 19 says this, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints. That's us, right? What is the width, the length, and the depth, and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God? Oh, that you would only understand how much he loves you. And if he loves you that much, who am I to decide it's, you're not worth it? We need to stop judging people. None of our business. Mind your business, right? He loves you that much. If it was just you, he would have left the 99 for just you, right? If we could actually comprehend this and get a hold of it inside of us, it would change the world we live in, for sure. It would change the people that we meet up with on a daily basis. We would treat them differently. We would speak to them like they meant something. I'm reminded of the story that uh, when David had uh, slept with his neighbor's wife and then killed his neighbor, I was reading, I was doing a study on it, and God had, had spoken to David. The, what really crushed, now, God, you know that David was a man after God's heart, right? We all know that. God loved him. But what really spoke to me was the fact that what crushed David, and this was really cool, was that David realized that God loved those two people 
as much as he did him. So he not only sinned against his neighbor, he sinned against God. He offended God with the same sin that he offended his neighbors. If we only could get an idea of that love, it would change your life. The Bible refers to our life as but a vapor or as a blade of grass that withers, meaning that it goes fairly quickly for us, right? In the scope of eternity, you know, uh, Romans, uh, again, tells us that uh, a, a day is as a thousand years, right? That's the description. I'll get into a little bit more of that, but think about it. So that being the case, two days ago, Christ would have died on the cross. Okay, so just give you an idea what that timeline is. I did a further timeline, and I decided to remove it because it just kind of got me off my story. But that was a quick one. <clears throat> Second Peter uh, 3.8 says, But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that the, with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. What's the purpose of this scripture? Do you think it was to tell us about a division of time? I don't think so. It was a good question, though, Pastor Paul. So it was to let us know that time doesn't matter. Not with God, it doesn't. Time is a non-issue with God. He does not have a timetable. He's not watching doing that. He's not restricted by days nor years. That's why he can take his time with us. You would have to have no real record of time to have an interest in us. I, am I being real? I, I, I think I, I see it. <laughs> and I'm not judging myself. I'm just saying, like, the reality is God's got a sense of humor. He loves us. <laughs> He's got a sense of humor. So the purpose was that we understand that God's not on a timetable. So he doesn't, he's not restricted. So the next verse from what I was just reading, which is uh, 2 Peter 3, 8, now going to 9, for those who are following. Uh, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So <clears throat> he keeps trying to give man opportunity to come back. So the reason he doesn't just end it all today is because well, your neighbor still needs him. Right? He wants us to live free in and through him. To be like him. Jesus was our example, right? Everybody okay with that? So what did Jesus do? If he was our example... He went about doing good and healing all. All. Yeah, he didn't, he, he wasn't picky. It didn't matter. You got a problem? Come on over. We fix it, right? Isn't it time for us to start to live like that? That we want to do good and heal all? Do you know by being good to people, you heal things? Do you know that? I know you figured it out, James. I know you figured it out before, bro. Have you ever done something for someone and they didn't say thank you? 
Or worse than that, they didn't even acknowledge your effort. We've all been there, right? Uh-huh. And you thought, be a long time before I do that again. Right? I, I've been there probably this week. But God's had that opportunity with each one of us our whole lives. But he still continues to love us. How great is that love? It's never-ending. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Really, honest to goodness, how simple is that? In the scope of eternity, none of it matters. What you got in the bank doesn't matter. What you're driving doesn't matter. What you're wearing doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. What matters is, what are you doing with this? Are you loving your neighbor as yourself? Are you caring about people that you love the way he loves? Unconditionally. We judge people still by religion. We allow people, we, we allow walls to come between us because we think someone has a different point of view about their religion or their religious beliefs. How do you ever expect them to buy into your beliefs about a God that loves them if you can't love them? Isn't that kind of hypocritical? My God loves you, but I don't. <laughs> Want some? <laughs> no, no, thanks. I can get that from the pizza shop. So the reason we can't comprehend the love that I'm talking about is why? Because we don't make enough time in our timetable to find out. You want to know about it? Just make time for it. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I, I think I heard that before. That's Matthew, right? So the reality is we can get anything we want if we're willing to pay for it. Pay the price. Doesn't mean dollars and cents. It might be your time. Might be your effort. Sowing and reaping. If you sow the time, he'll bless your time. There you go. All this free stuff tonight. I feel like I'm in a smorgasbord. Hello. Again, God's not on a timetable. If it's not this generation, maybe it's the next. That's God's position. So are you going to wait for the next generation or are you going to do your part today? Right? Do you get a crown or are you just going to go to heaven? It, 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 not just, but do you know what I'm saying? Like, like wh what's your position? We all play a part, right? I like the old terminology. You know, you, years ago, you know, the kids that you always had to be concerned about in school were the ones that were quiet, that didn't say anything because you never knew what they were thinking. Shouldn't We should always be in stealth mode kind of as Christians, right? Trying to do good for people. People don't need to see what we do. They, they don't need to see you being good to people. People need to know you're being good to them. Like, there is a difference between the two. Like, you don't need people to pat you on the back. That's not what it's about. It's about making somebody's day. Clint Eastwood said it many, many years ago. Now, he was talking about something entirely different, but go ahead and make my day. <laughs> but, but the reality is, is that's the way God wants us to live, that we would try to make somebody else's day. You can't outgive God, and I know I've said that before here. You can't. Try him. I try him all the time. He's fun. He's fun. Try him. So how great is that love? I know I've said it before, right? Once or twice. 
trying to get it drilled in, you need to think, I want you to go home and remember. If you don't go home and remember, I'm going to have to say it again. Sunday. <clears throat> you may be asking the question, if God loves people so much, now, maybe not they're here uh, online, whoever, this is for somebody. Because this, this was already put together before I got instructions. This is for somebody. This is to set somebody free that's not free. And he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Welcome to freedom. It doesn't have to be 65. It can be 53. It can be 20. It doesn't matter. He's no respecter of persons. Back to my story here. <clears throat> if, if, you may be asking the question, if God loves people so much, then how can he allow these things to happen that we see happening in our world today? Well, <clears throat> I've got a simple answer for you. I, I, it could be about three hours long, but I'm going to make it a simple one. I've got it down to about a paragraph. God gave man free will. In doing so, he decided he wasn't going to override man's free will. Otherwise, it wouldn't be free anymore. The things that happen in our lives are results of our actions. Now, I'm not suggesting that something bad happened and you did it. I'm suggesting that maybe someone was driving somewhere, somebody, story, maybe someone was driving down the road and they had a car accident. I can't believe this happened. How did God let that happen? Well, because you made the left-hand turn. Like, I'm not trying to be facetious. I'm not trying to be smart when I say that. But the reality is, is we have the action, then the action brings the result. So we do things in our lives. And we can ask for protection. We can believe for protection in our lives. We can walk in that protection. But, but we have to act on it. It's not, it's not something that we just have. All of this stuff, we have to work towards it, right? So the, the, the turns that we take, the places that we go, we determine what the outcomes are going to be in our life, right? Maybe if you hadn't gone to, you know, Chuck E. Cheese's for the nachos for the third time this week, you wouldn't have had the car accident. Like, like it, there's simplicity stuff to this, right? So maybe it's not the things that we did, but maybe the things we didn't do that got us where we're at. Maybe not the things that we ate, maybe the things that we didn't eat, right? People ask, you know, why am I sick? Well, let's see. The list can go on and on and on. You know, when you're talking about health, you're talking about things that go on, whether it's somebody's diet, whether it's somebody's health because they don't exercise. There's all kinds of reasons, but all of our actions, follow me when I'm saying this, have results. God can't be responsible for the, our actions if we're free to do them. <laughs> so let me get you to the basics of this. This all started in the garden. Welcome back to the garden. Adam and Eve, given free will to eat, to do what they wanted to do, which is what they did. They got to choose between good and evil. But what that did for them was expose their nakedness. See, they weren't aware of their nakedness until they become 
under, out from under God's covering. See, because they made the choice to walk away from it, they were out from the covering. The covering is what held or covered their nakedness. Follow where I'm going with this? It was not meant that we would be naked and ashamed. That's not the way God chose. However, man's made it that way. So it's God's best for us to walk with him. When we walk with him, in covenant with him, he's able to protect us from the attacks of the enemy that want to expose or make us vulnerable. You can only imagine how important it is that we walk with God correctly. Which reminds me of the story of Moses. The fact that he didn't get to see the promised land because he misrepresented the very nature of God to the people of Israel. Doesn't that seem awfully... Like, that's how... How many times have we misrepresented God to people? That we didn't show his love the way he loves. So if Moses missed 40 years in the wilderness of getting into the promised land, do you think maybe we might have missed a thing or two? We should probably get on track with that, right? We really need to show people God the way he wants you to be shown, which is the love that he really is. He doesn't, he doesn't look at anybody with judgment. He looks at people with love, right? He, he cares for you. So if you look at your life, maybe where you're at today, maybe where you were in the, whatever in the past, whatever, see those exposed areas or your areas of vulnerability. And if you're honest with yourself, truly honest, you can see that your choices or the turns that you've made directed your life and exposed your nakedness. That's the reality. So, but that's not what God wants for us. In the same way, we can choose to turn to God's guidance by following after Jesus, by bringing the Holy Spirit into our lives, by becoming one with the creator of the universe. He says that he'll lead and guide you into all truth. He's not just saying it. He means it. If you would seek after him, he can guide you. If you don't seek after him, you're not getting any guidance. You know, you don't tell the pilot where to land the plane after it's landed. You have to guide him beforehand, right? You don't wait till the plane's on the ground or in the wrong spot. So it's up to us to abide in him, in this great love that I'm talking about. By faith, taking the word of God. Again, back to Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plan, the thoughts, uh, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and hope. Think about that. God loves you that much. And of course, we can't forget about Romans 8, 28, right? We know that all things work together for good. To those who love God, first, those who are called according to his purpose. Are you called according to his purpose? Do you love God? So we should just be able to trust him, right? If we trust his word, that's the faith, right? This is exercise your faith here. Exercise your faith, right? If you truly trust God and you believe, then nothing should really get you. Nothing should disturb your life. Nothing should disturb your peace. His plans never fail. Why? Because he never ceases. He's not managed by time like we do. We go to bed at a certain hour. We get up at a certain hour. Everything we do is on a clock. And 
clocks mean nothing to him. They don't need to. His plan never ceases generation after generation. So what we do today moves forward to our children and our grandchildren, as did your parents and your grandparents. His purposes are still being worked out in your life. If you engage, right? All he wants you to really do is share his great love, right? So we decide if we want to receive it or not. We decide if we want to walk in it or not. He's given us the ability to make those choices. Again, how great is that love that he loves you that much that he would send his son, but then allow you still to choose what you want to do with it? Wow. You talk about being exposed, right? Vulnerable. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. There is no greater love. Galatians 2, 20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Think about it. The life that you once lived, you no longer have to live. He died for you, that you can live above it. How great is that love? Ephesians 2, 4, and 5 says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. His grace, his mercy... When we shouldn't have been saved, it saved us. To whoever's out there in Never Never Land, and uh, like honestly, God's love is everything. We need to understand it if we intend on sharing it. So I'm going to go back to Ephesians three eighteen and nineteen. We read it already. It says that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height to know the love of Christ, which passes, passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Oh, that you would know how great his love is for you. It's not a little. It's a whole lot. It doesn't stop. There's nothing you can do to stop it. It's just there for you. But you have to actively seek after it. Amen? All right. That's it for tonight. Thank the Lord for his goodness, eh? I'll close them. Anybody have any prayer requests or need anything today? All right, we'll close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity of sharing your word, Lord. I pray more than anything, Father, that we would understand, Lord, the size of your your love. That it wouldn't be something that we just talk about, but we would truly engage in that. That it wouldn't be something that we would come to church and hear in one ear and let it drift through the other, but we would engage, Lord. We would truly be challenged. There wouldn't be one person that would have been under the sound of my voice tonight, whether live stream, whether here in this building, that would leave here the same as they came. I pray that the challenge would go forth, Lord, that you would challenge them in their spirit, cause them to step up, to be the man or the woman that you've called them to be, that your life would prevail in their lives, Lord, that you would have your will, that it would be perfected in them, and that they would live the life that you've called them to live, that Jesus could be who they are to the people they run into. In your name we ask, Father. Amen. 
We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.